you know, the reason they, they like reading my stuff is that I've always got real life examples to prove what I'm saying. There's a lot of good people that listen to this podcast. You know, other than God and my family, deer hunting would be next in line on my list of priorities. From the bottom of our hearts, it's it's just fantastic and awesome to uh, to have the support that you guys are getting. People ask me about expandable broadheads and love swings. <laughs> Chasing Giants with Don Higgins and Terry Peer. Brought to you by Osseo Camo, nature's most lethal camouflage. Follow along as Don and Terry discuss the techniques, strategies, and dedication needed to harvest one of God's most amazing creations, world-class whitetails. Well, welcome, everyone, to the Chasing Giants podcast, episode 189. And this is going to be released, I believe, on October. Is it October first, Don? It's it's, it's September twenty ninth, Friday night. Uh, hunting yep. season's going to be opening for a lot of states here, isn't it? It's going to be opening for my home state of Illinois, and a lot of other states too. Open on yep. October first, so I'm sure there's a lot of listeners ready to go sit in a tree. Yep, absolutely. So we got a little bit different of a show tonight. Um, I first want to give a shout out to the group of boys that submitted a question last week with their drinking game. You boys better get started again tonight because we're going to tee up a <laughs> lot of different perspectives for you. We'll start them off early. We don't want to wait till the end this week. I had more people call me or make comments last week that they were busting out laughing during that episode. So <laughs> that was... I, I got the same thing. Yeah. So if you if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to episode 188 at about the second or third question of the night. But speaking of questions, Don and I made a decision that the next two weeks are going to be trying to knock out as many listener submitted questions as we can. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I got a career change with a job change going. I haven't been in the woods. Don's kind of going to wait till the boys come up and go hunting for youth season. So we have these two weeks with a huge backlog of great questions that customers are asking. So, you know, Don, you, you said that you wanted to start knocking these out the next two two weeks. Yeah, I, the amount of questions we've been getting is just through the roof. I mean, and it's hard to pick, you know, five questions. I'll pick out five and then I'll get ready to send you the outline. And here comes a bunch more and there's good ones in there. And uh, so I think we got seven or so tonight. And, yeah, we so may we're not... gonna up we're gonna up our t-shirt budget per episode and uh, and pass out a few more t-shirts here over the next couple weeks to get through some of these questions until we get to where we're talking about you in a tree stand every night. Yeah, um, we're we're gonna tee up a lot of questions and give our perspectives and our perspectives may not be quite as long as they are when we only read five questions, but with seven <laughs> questions teed up, I think. Uh, uh, like that better we'll see the, the drinking guys will like it better i'm sure yep i think so so speaking of questions we talked about this a couple times uh over the last couple weeks we have a new partnership with brenton firearms and we're gonna have their team on the podcast next week so episode 190 we're gonna have those guys on so if people especially especially from the state of ohio and other states that allow straight wall jacket cartridges, we are going to have the the guys that know it all when it comes to um, these cartridges, the 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 guns that they um, are manufacturing here in the United States. So if you have a specific question 
about AR style hunting rifles, especially in the straight wall jacket calibers, submit that question this week and we'll have those guys on the show next week to uh, talk a little bit about that with us. But Nick, you've known Nick for a long time. You, I think you did a Q or a, I don't know, was it QDMA event or some habitat type yeah. event on his place? And then he bought the company and um we're we're really proud to be sponsored and partnered with them and they're going to play a pivotal role on your farm with the boys up there uh hunting you season this year that's pretty cool yeah the timing is perfect for nick to be on because the weekend that he's going to be on is is our youth weekend and my grandsons are going to be hunting with one of his rifles so uh i'm not sure when we're going to record but it could be that we've already got a deer down with one of his guns by the time we record yeah fantastic and i'm going to be doing some stuff here in kentucky with suppressors uh with the same uh style firearm so uh, throw a question at us if you're interested in that. We'll have Nick on. I can't wait to to hear from him and have him part of the podcast. Um, let's let's get uh, a couple of quick announcements. Um, we kind of blew up Jay Gingrich's phone a little bit last week about these apples. So we need to make sure everybody's clear that there's no pre-order list or anything. Uh, tell tell folks uh, what they need to do because uh, your and Jay's phones blew up this week. Yeah, they did. Uh, there, there's a lot of interest in those apples. Um, Jay is having a new website built, so he is not ready to accept orders at this time. As soon as his new website is up and live and ready to take orders, we're going to have Jay on and uh, we'll talk about that and we'll, we'll lead you right through it and, and you'll have ample opportunity to to buy apples i don't seem selling out in a week or nothing um maybe will but I, I i doubt that happens but uh anyway don't don't just call jay or me wanting to get on the list for apples as soon as it's available we'll let you know right here on chasing giants and we'll even have jay on here to talk about it talk about the dates everything that's going to be about acquiring uh, these apple trees either for pickup or shipment so don't worry about that uh, one more announcement and that is uh, we're going to be spending some time with dr strickland again uh, at the beginning of 2024 and i'm really excited about that why don't you mention that yeah so uh, i'm not having the whitetail master class on my farm this year where we've had dr strickland the last two years but uh, we are having a dealer event for real world dealers in March, March 4th and 5th. It'll be held at Arthur, um, just down the road from uh, our corporate office. Um, dealers can pick up their order while they're in town, but it's gonna be a, an evening and next day event. Um, the keynote speaker that first evening uh, is gonna be Dr. Strickland. And uh, I'm not sure yet what he's gonna be talking on, but it'll be good. There'll be several other speakers. There's going to be a, a catered meal that night. There will also be a, a catered lunch the next day. Um, there'll probably be coffee, donuts, and such for breakfast th that next morning. Um, handful of seminars. There'll probably be some special deals. We're going to have some gifts for the dealers that show up, some free items for them to take home, introduce them to some new products and uh, just trying to do a better job of communicating with our dealers, you know, helping them to be more successful, sell more product. We actually got a new uh, sales manager on our team now, and 
he was actually in on the road today in South Carolina. He met with Joe Miles um, while he was down there this morning. So uh, a lot of new things with Real World. That company's just exploded, and, and we want to make sure that we don't forget our dealers who helped us get to where we are. So if you're not a dealer yet and you want to attend that event, you can certainly sign up and and uh, pick up your first order at, at that event. So uh, yeah. d- just get a hold of the office and let them know, and uh, they'll put you probably put you in touch with James, our new sales manager, and uh, you know he'll he'll tell you what you need to do if you want to attend this event. Yeah, it's going to be a big two day event. Can't wait to see everybody. We might even do a live podcast with, uh, er, pass out everybody some Dr. Pepper and everybody got to take a a sip when we say tee up in perspective. What do you think? I think that's a good idea. We we could do that as well. (laughs) That is a great idea. Maybe that first (laughs) evening, it'll be a a live podcast and Dr. Strickland give his talk. Yeah. So you got to, how about you have a Dr. Pepper in one hand and a Mountain Dew in the other. And every time we say tee up or perspective, you got to take a sip of the Dr. Pepper. Every time we say tee up and perspective. No, I was just trying to use the word a bunch more times for them boys that are drinking right now. But we could pick another word. They have to take a sip of Mountain Dew. We'd have everybody on a caffeine buzz before we got out of there. Yep. Well, I say for sure all the time. So I guess every time I say for sure, they got to take a drink. There you go. We'll come intrusion. We could make the word intrusion a word. Yep. We could we could do all kinds of good stuff. We could even make a bingo game out of this. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and listen to a spot from Osseo. And as promised last week, every week we're going to feature a successful hunter. And this week it's a kid. I'm going to throw this up for the people watching on YouTube, Don. Lock us through this giant. Yeah, the young man's name is Flint Seymour. He's from Kansas. And he killed a 22-point giant. And I mean, this thing is a giant. Uh, it looks like he used a muzzleloader there in the picture. Um, yeah, he's he's got but, a muzzleloader. Uh, it looks like he made a good shot on him, too. But, man, let's talk about this rack a little bit. This has everything. It's got non-typical stickers all over it. It's got mass. It's hard to tell what those bases are, aren't they? Yeah, it's heavy as can be. It looks like a 5x5 five five mainframe. Stickers on the bases. St- for double brows on both sides flyers coming out the side um 22 points so <laughs> a lot <laughs> on there but yeah, i would so guess the, it's probably a 200 inch buck but yeah yeah it definitely has the frame and all of the non-typical you know the thing about those those bucks that have that many non-typical points if they're just an inch or two that adds up quick you know when there's when there's that many of them so you can make up a lot of ground really quick with with a bunch of non-typical points like that and that buck is laying in a soybean field so i don't know if those are real world soybeans or not but uh, he shot that buck it looks to me like in a soybean field yep so the story is it was over 90 degrees for this hunt so it looked like they said that flint was using the osseo lightweight hoodie which is what we use here in September all the time. Really nice piece of garment and the lightweight pants. So, Flint, congratulations. Thanks for giving Osseo permission to be on the Chasing Giants podcast. And if you want your hunt to be featured on there, make sure you tag Osseo in your social media posts and uh, and they'll get with you and ask you permission to be on the podcast. So with that, 
Let's play our Osseo commercial, and then we're going to come straight back with a list of questions for the rest of the podcast. Osseo Gear has perfected one of the most innovative camo patterns on the market. The unique camo pattern designed to mimic the feather patterns of one of North America's greatest predators, the great horned owl. Combined with intuitive features, superior comfort, and ultra high quality fabrics give bow hunters the ultimate advantage. ICO has outfitted over 10,000 bow hunters across the country with over a thousand five-star reviews. Visit ASIOgear.com to check it out for yourself. Use code CHASINGGIANTS for 15% off. All right, well, welcome back. Thanks to Joe Miles. Uh, we really, uh, we like seeing successful hunts. That's uh, that's kind of a cool thing. So a great way to showcase Osseo gear and want to thank them for their partnership with the podcast for uh, several years now. So um, I don't know which word I should use, tee up or perspective, but let's put the first question up on the board and let's get going. Okay, the first one comes from Michael Myers from Sheridan, Michigan. He says, is doing deer prep work better if you do it after dark? I have had coon hunters tell me that they see big bucks while hunting coon and their presence does not bother them. I am thinking clearing, clearing lanes and setting up stands would be better after dark if that is the case. Well, Michael, you need to consider the source anytime you, uh, you're getting advice. And of course, a coon hunter is going to tell you that coon hunting doesn't bother your deer ground. But Don is going to tell you it's the worst thing you can do. Dogs, stinking <laughs> dogs are the worst thing for a property. I don't want no stinking dog anywhere near my place. I don't care if it's dark or what. <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's no better way to get me teed up than to see a dog on my place. And I don't care if it's after dark. No, no, you don't want coon hunters on your place. And I know the coon hunters are going to get mad at me, but facts are facts. You can't tell me that coon hounds running through the timber, bellering and barking, chasing coons here and there is not detrimental to your property. You talk about intrusion. That's intrusion at its finest. No stinking dogs. All right. So um, now that we know about the dog portion of it, and if coon hunters aren't involved in this question, uh, is there any benefit to clearing shooting lanes and setting up stands in the dark versus in the daytime other than increasing your chances of falling and getting hurt? I, I, I see no reason to be doing that in the dark. None whatsoever. There's no way you can do a good job clearing shooting lanes and, and all that. Um, do it in the winter right after season closes. And then you can go in with a chainsaw, whatever you want, and, and clear a good shooting lane. And it should still be open come fall. In the wintertime, right after season, you can do whatever you need to do. And the pressure you put on the property then will be long forgotten next fall when season comes in. So do it in the daylight, but do it right after season closes, not during season. Yeah. And we, we've talked multiple times on the podcast that if you do have to change a set or you do have to move something, you know, I think you've said that you've done it just in the midday. That's when that's when you've done it. Sometimes even do it midday and stay in, have somebody drive you in a truck. That's been a common story we've talked about for on and off on the podcast for a long time. Hey, I meant to tell you something. We just we should have made a big deal about this. I didn't even tell you. 
we just went over 1.5 million unique downloads on this podcast last week. Awesome. So 1.5 million different downloads from I don't know how many different people. That's a big deal. Um, I, I didn't know there was that many people so bored that they get, went to listen to a couple of rednecks for, ramble on about of, deer hunting. But we appreciate every one of them. A lot of people sitting around playing drinking games, uh, trying to offer a different perspective on things. Well, you know what, Terry? I think Bud Light would have been way better off to hire you and me instead of that homo. <laughs> I don't. Am think, I right? I don't I right? think that. I don't think Bud Light would have met our uh, our criteria for uh, our uh, positions on a lot of things. So they wouldn't have made the cut for us, but we would have been a better choice. Yes. Well, they could have put you and me on that can, and I bet they would. Their sales would have increased instead of tanking. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> All right. Question number two. Uh, this one comes from Jared Miller from Butler, Kentucky. He says, Don, how much does stress from the rut have to do with a buck's antler growth the following year? For example, would a buck in a one-to-one -one buck to doe ratio have a less likely chance in, of gaining inches than a buck in a three doe for every buck area? Just from the stress of the rut and recovery, from having to roam more to find the next doe. I'm curious your thoughts on this. Thanks, Jared. Uh, Jared, I don't think uh, that has much bearing. The, the rut doesn't have much bearing on the next year's antler growth. It's the health of the, the animal, but you know, a buck is gonna be active whether he's with a doe or he's searching. If he's with a doe, he's chasing her around. If he's not with a doe, he's on his feet searching. And I don't see the buck doe ratio having that much impact. I think the bigger impact is going to be the nutrition that buck has throughout their fall, late fall and winter, and especially late winter when, when nutrition is typically in shortest supply. So I don't see the rut having much impact, if any at all, on the next year's antler growth. Well, Jared's actually a neighbor of mine. I don't know Jared, but Butler, Kentucky's not too far from me. So, Jared, thanks for listening and being one of the local guys. I appreciate it. Uh, if you got any other questions, hit me up sometime. I'm I'm here local to you, buddy. All right. Here's a long one, and I want to before Don reads this. This is the problem when people write 16 paragraphs on their question. Is it, it creates quite a bit of a problem for. Don, when he starts squinting with his uh, spectacles on his face, trying to see all this. So when you do, can you see this or do I need to blow it up? Uh, no, I've got uh, my my magnifiers on here. All too. right. So I might please, have to slide up to the screen just a little please, bit. <laughs> when you're submitting your question, please be uh, a little bit more abbreviated with it. And uh, <laughs> that way the people watching on YouTube right now don't have to look at Don, whether he's got a booger hanging out of his nose, lean so close to his, <laughs> to his computer screen, getting close enough to read all this small print. And this and one, you, comes... got a little, you got a little boogie hanging out right there, Don. <laughs> I don't see it. Um, this one comes from Jimbo Malpin from Oliver Springs, Tennessee. He says, Don and Terry, thanks again for your time and effort producing the podcast. The information you guys bring to the table is always top notch, and I continue to learn something new with each episode. 
I have two questions I would like for you guys to share your thoughts on. As a whitetail fanatic, I often find myself scanning YouTube looking for deer hunting related content with seemingly endless videos available. It's hard to pick one over another, so I give most of them a try when I have time. I must admit that I have never heard so many people use catchphrases like hinge cutting, stem count, TSI, buck bedding, etc. Unfortunately, I typically lose interest in most of these videos I watch because of all the gimmicks that are promoted, which brings me to my first question. What percentage of deer hunting properties are ruined, set back by bad advice, and improvements to the wrong areas of any given parcel? It seems to me that people are trying to improve every square inch of their property to make up for their lack of knowledge on deer behavior, etc. In my personal experience, I have seen several property designs that landowners have paid big money for that are downright awful. I would say that at least 85% of them have created more issues than they have solved with the design layout. The common denominator is terrible access. My guess is that within the next five years, there will be some angry landowners regretting who they chose as their consultant. Two, what percentage of your consulting clients could be successful if you simply mark the correct tree, proper wind direction, and best access. I only ask this because I feel like our young hunters are being led astray with the Im immense amount of bad content that's out there. My prayer is that God comforts your entire family during this time. I also pray that God continues to bless the Peer family and Terry's new career path. Well, Jim, <laughs> this is kind of a pet peeve of mine. Um, there's so much content out there on the internet that a person has a hard time figuring out what's good content and what's not. Especially, you know, someone that's not an experienced hunter. Now, it sounds to me like you are experienced and you've easily waded through some of that and you're, you was able to pick out the good from the bad. Um, but you know, a beginning hunter, he doesn't know, he doesn't know the good stuff from the bad stuff. So I'm going to throw out a simple formula for anyone to pick out good information on the internet. And, and that's to take a look at the hunting success of the person that's putting it out. There's a lot of people throwing out information that do so without ever having a buck to back up whatever it is they're saying. If they're out there making buck beds, rope scrapes or whatever, let, let's see a buck you shot, you know, out of his buck bed or, or over a rope scrape or whatever. Um, let's see the proof. And that's what really is going to set apart the, uh, you, you know, the, the people, the, the good information from the bad on the internet. Um, there's really no other way to do it for, for the novice An experienced hunter like Jim here, obviously he's picked up on some bad information. Um, I think we got another question where I actually blanked out a, a person's name, but, uh, you, you know, look at the, the track record of the person putting out the information and th there should be plenty of proof in the pudding, if you will, uh, to do that. So as far as what percentage of my clients could be successful, if I just, you know, told them the tree, the wind direction to hunt and the access to get there, well, I do that, um, and I don't have a percentage. I will say that uh, 
the most successful clients are the ones that follow the plan the closest. And there's a lot of them that, that do and are very successful. And there's, there's a handful that don't. And the frustrating thing for me comes when a, a client contacts me after some months down the road or years down the road after I was at his property and he, he's not been as successful as he hoped to be. And then when I start asking questions, he, he didn't even follow the plan. He, he might've followed it somewhat, but there was things in the plan that he either changed or he didn't see as important. And, you know, if you're going to pay somebody good money to come and, and give you advice, you ought to at least follow their advice for a season or two and see what difference it makes. But, uh, Jim, you're right. I, there, there's a lot of people I've seen the plans from, from some of these guys that, and I'm not going to name names, but you know, I can't believe anybody pays them and they, they continue to get paid. They ought to be raked over the coals on the internet, but for some reason people don't want to do that. And, uh, you know, I guess I get that, but it, it's frustrating to see people taken advantage of like that. And it's really frustrating to see, the bad information that a new deer hunter has to wade through because, you know, he, he just doesn't have the knowledge yet to, to see the bad information for what it really is. One of the things that I picked up on and, uh, you know, first of all, to, to give a disclaimer on this, um, I'm not the level of consultant that you or even Wes is at, at this point. And that's why I'm very selective of the people that I work with, because I think that it has to be in my wheelhouse about what I'm comfortable talking about. But as you start talking with people and then I might refer them to Wes or refer them to you or refer them to Bobby. But I think that people try to, they, they're willing to pay someone to come up with a gimmick to overcome a property that just doesn't have that much potential. They're trying to turn something into, you know, a bad situation into something special. And I've had several situations. I think there's no golden nugget or ticket here that you're going to do to make this place miraculous. If if you don't have access, you don't have anything to start with. And I think people are just always looking for a gimmick. And I think one of the biggest encouragement that I can tell people is, Start with the basics and start if the property even has potential, whether you're talking to Don or I or you're talking to somebody else or not. If if the property doesn't have the foundation to where it's even possible, then it doesn't matter who you have on there. And that's where you and I and Wes and the other guys on the Dream Team are just honest with people. It's not worth the money to pay somebody. Right. I just turned down a young man uh, this week. Uh, sent me an aerial of his property and I said, uh, it's not worth you hiring anybody, not me. You're not somebody else. And, uh, I know that if he would have contacted some of these other guys, they would have been more than happy to show up and take his money. Well, that's not, that's not what we're looking for in this. And, uh, but we continue to be different in a lot of things. So I guess this will just be another one. So, um, all right, we'll move on to the next one here. We don't, we said we were going to be shorter answering these and that just took, 10 minutes so <laughs> the next one comes from jordan taylor from pikeville kentucky he says another, Don and another kentucky boy we got two of them on here today yeah they're all probably down there drinking what is it kentucky bourbon no they're drinking a late one i'm not even sure what that is but i'll have to bring you one. that's that's kind of oh pop. yeah you had some of them in my refrigerator one time yep 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 kentucky okay. swamp water 
Jordan Taylor, he said from Pikeville, Kentucky, he says, Don and Terry, thank you for the weekly podcast and your all stance on faith, family, and priorities. I was fortunate enough to harvest a mature deer early in my hunting career. Some around me even calling this a once in a lifetime deer. This has been both a blessing and a curse as my expectations and goals are not what they used to be. I look at this deer on the wall every day and can only dream of having more like it in the future. My friends and family often make the comment that you've, got, you've not killed a deer in three to four years or even go as far as thinking I'm being rude or mean when I don't show the same excitement as them looking at young bucks on trail cameras. Do either of you have any advice on the situation or words of encouragement to keep my goals high, no matter the circumstances? Thanks and God bless. Well, Jordan, you got to have fun. If you're having fun, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Um, you know, for me, it's no fun shooting small bucks. It's no fun shooting meat deer. Uh, that, that's just a bunch of work. For me, the fun <laughs> is matching wits with giant bucks. And that's what, you know, trips my trigger. And that's what I, deer hunting is to me. Now, deer hunting is different things to different people. If you're one of them guys that enjoys, you know, putting meat in the freezer, then by all means, you know, have at it. Um, I'm not saying it's got to be done my way. I'm just saying that for, for me, um, the joy in deer hunting is the challenge of matching wits with a mature buck. So, you know, my advice to you is to make sure you're having fun and, and don't, don't set your goals based on someone else's thoughts or ideas. Um, stick to whatever it is that, that you want to do. And it might be that if you want to kill deer, like the one you shot and you're having trouble finding those kind of deer, it might be that instead of just hunting around home that you need to go on out of state trips where bucks like that are more common or, or whatever, but you know, stick with whatever it is that makes you happy and don't worry about what anybody else thinks. I'm going to take some heat for this, this comment, but we just got done talking before we went on the air today about, uh, the buck contests. And I have no, I have no problem if somebody wants to participate in it, but me personally, I'm not going to participate in it because I don't, it, it's, it's a personal journey for every single person, not comparing your success to somebody else's success and if people if people have fun with the buck contest I, I by no means want to discourage that but um at the same time i want to i want to make sure people understand that your journey you know i've said it on this podcast before a, a game of golf you know where you tee up the golf ball and hit it from you know hole number two off that little you know tee box where you tee off on something uh-huh. or tee up excuse me not tee off tee up Yep. You know, that hole, that hole is the exact same conditions for the foursome in front of you and the foursome behind you in, in this game of deer hunting and specifically mature bucks, there's no two situations or holes that are exactly the same. So, um, if, if people are putting pressure on you to kill deer every year, they just have a different goal and mentality than you do. And, and that's okay, but don't take it personal and feel like you have to, um, you know, prescribed to their th- philosophy in it because, you know, what do you want? Do you want two 200 inch world-class deer on your wall or do you want 14 130 inch three-year-olds? And whatever the answer to you, to that is, it, it doesn't matter. There's not a wrong answer, right? Well said. 
but how many how many people with 10 or 15 130 inch deer would trade all 15 of those deer for two 200 inch deer on their farm or on their wall a lot of people most of them a a lot of them would do it but they don't have the discipline to, to to take off that many years yep Oh, while we're waiting, do you want to uh, mention the you're wearing your Quiet Cat shirt today? We got bombarded with uh, a lot of questions of people wanting to take uh, take us up on that forty percent coupon code. Do you want to talk about that real quick while I get this question up? Yeah, a Quiet Cat is offering forty percent off a couple different models: their Apex model and their Pioneer model bikes um, for chasing giants. Uh, no, not chasing giants for our consulting clients for our master class students and for the Whitetail Master Academy members. Um, they do not want us announcing the uh, coupon code on the, the podcast. They don't want us putting it on social media. It's only for our clients and, and members of the Whitetail Master Academy and the students of the Whitetail Master class. So if you are interested in a quiet cat bike at 40% off, reach out to us privately and we will send you that code. As long yeah, as you qualify. Yeah, you got to qualify, and we have to check that out. You're going to have to either send us a screenshot of your membership page on the Whitetail Master Academy, or we know we have a list of who the master class attendees are and obviously our clients. So, um, But somebody who's considering buying a bike, and we're not. Uh, this is going to turn into a little bit of a sales pitch, but do the simple math, people. If you're looking at buying a bike, and you're talking 40% off of that by buying a membership to the Whitetail Master Academy. That's a no-brainer by just becoming a member if you're looking to buy a bike, if you're not a member already. So that's that's uh, that's more than an aggressive uh, uh, trade-off there to get a, m- a monthly subscription to the uh, Master Academy to get that biggest savings on a bike. You will save way more than what that the membership cost you way more yeah and there's other coupon codes involved there too it's not just quiet cat so right. make sure you send us a message make sure that you understand that we're going to vet it out and make sure that you have a membership before calling all right next one comes from carter lang from blue mounds wisconsin uh, says don and terry this is a question that is for both of you don you said that if given the opportunity you would let one of your grandsons shoot babe. Do you feel that if one of them gets babe, it might affect their hunting in the future? I remember Terry talking about how his daughter shot a 150 on her first sit and she didn't like hunting as much after that. I was just curious on what you guys thought about how much this can affect someone's passion for whitetails. Do you guys think that it is better to start off shooting smaller deer and start working your way up? With that being said, I think it is amazing that you are giving your grandsons this opportunity. There are not many people in the world that would give up the chance to shoot this deer and let your grandsons have the chance instead. Thank you guys for everything you do. God bless. Carter, that's a great point. I've actually discussed that with my son-in-law, the father of my two grandsons, and him and I are on the same page. Um... It's a double-edged sword. So if Babe steps out and we tell those kids, no, you can't shoot that. So what what kind of message does that send to the kids? Does that, does that send to the kids that, oh, Grandpa will let us hunt, but we can only shoot little bucks? 
on grandpa's farm. He, he keeps the big ones for himself. That's kind of a selfish message to, to send those kids. So we pretty much decided that a babe steps out, they're going to get to shoot it. But if, uh, there, there's like three or four young bucks that are off limits, the, the biggest bucks on the farm are not off limits. The, the ones that are off limits are, are ones with a lot of potential, but they're still young. So, you know, we're going to stress that the reason some of these bucks are off limits is because they're young, they have a lot of potential. And as we're managing this farm for big deer, we have to let those kind of bucks get older. And I'm going to let those bucks walk myself. That's why the grandsons are going to be expected to. I'm not going to let babe walk. So why should I expect them to let babe walk? And, and I'm just asking them to play by the same rules that I'm playing by when I hunt the farm. And if he comes out and they get a shot, well, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to, they're going to drop him because they've been practicing with that Brenton uh, 350 legend. So I think the deer's in trouble if he steps out. And I think there's a very, very good chance that could happen because I've been getting a lot of daylight pictures of babe. So, uh, like I said, it's a double-edged sword. I totally get what you're saying. Um, a lot of deer hunters have been ruined by killing a giant right out of the gate and they know they're never going to top it. Uh, one thing about babe though, he's big, you know, he's probably 180 inches, but he's not so big that it'll be impossible for them to top that. It's still a reality that, you know, in their lifetime, they could shoot a bigger one. Well, I've talked about this story of my daughter, Kaylin, before, and I want to make sure because if I if I said that she didn't like hunting after that, I apologize. That's I hope that the way this is worded is not the way I meant to explain it. She loved hunting and she's gone hunting a lot. It's just her standards were much higher out of the gate. And, um, so it's not to say I ruined her from hunting. She, uh, although she's in college and her time is much more limited, she still hunts, um, hopefully going to be able to start hunting more with me again. But, you know, when she shot that first buck and then a normal buck that was 120 came out, she had already started understanding what I was doing from management. So again, she didn't want to shoot the young buck with potential where any other 11 or 12 year old would have said, you know, put a hole in it. So it wasn't that it ruined her. It wasn't that she didn't like hunting, but it did change it to where, you know, she was extremely picky and I was working really hard in the state of Kentucky, you know, it's, and also that's a different, they're always going to have grandpa's farm to hunt. <laughs> so that ceiling is mm -hmm. much higher for uh, Walker and Wyatt if they shoot babe there than what, you know, my kids are for bucks that are be able to be shot. So it, it you're right it's it's a big double-edged sword but at the end of the day i'm going to lean on the side of let the kid enjoy it and be on top of the world and we'll figure out what the next step is the next season instead of worrying about that up front yep but i i'm i'm curious here this is this is another question i'm going to put you on the spot is uh is Corey and andrea going to let there be this really cool group picture of all of you all behind the grandkids with a big buck on the ground as be the cover of the land management guide from real world this year. That's what would be cool. Not only the memory of the hunt, but those kids and your whole, you and Corey and, and the two boys standing behind a big buck on the cover of the land management guide this year. And, uh, 
That'd be, that would be cool. You know, I already thought about that, but not the whole group, just the grandkids and their buck, hopefully two bucks as part of as the cover. If, man, I'm sure we'll have good pictures, but uh, <laughs> I don't be, know that I need to be on there. I, I th- that's part of the memory, buddy. I hate to, I know you want the spotlight and the memory to be on your kid, but uh, just like everything else that, that you've done, whether it's uh, waiting for your dad to go get smoky or letting those boys track Mel, uh, the memory of the deer is one thing. The memory of their grandpa is what's going to last a lifetime. And uh, as your personal marketing consultant and business advisor, you better be in that picture. How about that? <laughs> well, you steered me right just about every time, I think. So, <laughs> uh, The next one comes from Dan Branham from Milltown, Indiana. He says, love your all's podcast. Prayers for your daughter, Dawn. Congrats on the, the, your new grandson. Terry, glad you were able to take care of that pregnant woman. My question is about the so-called doe factory. I've been listening to blank for years. And folks, he, it wasn't blank. He put the person's <laughs> name in there. Out of respect, I, 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 I made the blank. So. I've been listening to blank for years. I used to plant spring and early summer plots, but hearing about the doe factory where they take over and run off the bucks, I quit the early pot plots and started just fall plots. My numbers are way down on seeing does or bucks. I had a lot more deer pictures when I did early plots. What's your all opinion on this? And should I worry about doe factories? Should I plant spring or fall? Keep up the work on all of all of you all do. Thank you all. Lots of alls in there. Dan, um, this goes back to what I said earlier. Information on the internet, take a look at the person offering it and what what they've got as far as credentials, bucks on the wall. And the person that you mentioned has shot plenty of nice bucks, but most of them have been with a rifle. And you could probably hit the good bow bucks this guy has killed. And again, it comes down to what you're going to call good or or limited. And that's not a slam on the guy. It's just a fact. Um, He's a fantastic marketer, um, does a great job marketing uh, with all the videos. But the whole doe factory thing is just total nonsense. And part of marketing is coming up with catchphrases. Um, I think somebody earlier, um, yeah, it was uh, Jim Malpin was talking about uh, the catchphrases, you know, stem count and TSI and hinge cutting and all that. Those terms were coined by people to get to get others to, to click onto their videos and watch them. These guys, some of these guys, and particularly the one that was mentioned in this submission, make money on monetized videos. So when you watch these videos and an ad pops up, these guys get paid on the the number of impressions on that video. That's why you see guys putting out a new video every two or three days. It's because they're getting paid every time somebody clicks on their video, they're getting paid for it. And so they come up with terms like dough factory and, and whatever. Um, you just got to sort through that stuff. 
uh, to answer your question, though, you, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that you should have food on your property 365 days a year if you possibly can. I don't ever want a deer, buck, doe, or whatever to have to leave my farm to find food. I want I want the best food in my whole neighborhood to be on my farm. I don't care if it's June, January, November, July. I don't care what month it is. I want the best food anywhere to be found on my property because if I've got that, I'm going to have the deer. And I think sometimes we, we try to overthink the whole thing. You know, the simplicity of managing for deer it has been lost due to the internet and some of these crazy videos that are out there. Um, it's really a big dose of common sense. And if you're having trouble understanding you know, some of these management philosophies, then you're listening to the wrong people because it's simple. You know, even Dr. Strickland, um, who's done some of the best research in the world, he boils it down and makes it very simple. It is simple. He, he explains it in such a way that anybody can understand it. You know, a, a junior high kid could easily understand every principle that Dr. Strickland talks about. It's very easy to understand. So when you get on a video where some guy is talking nonsense that you're having trouble deciphering it in your head, you're at the wrong place. It's time to change channels and, and find a different video and, and then a different video producer because the one you're you're listening to is trying to make make money off of clicks instead of give you good information. So when I produce a video about the only way you can age buck is to put a trail camera on the backside and measure the distance between his butthole and the bottom of his sack and monetize it, then I'm going to make a lot of money. Is that what you're telling me? Well, I'm telling you that until you shoot a few bucks like that and you, you, <laughs> you, you prove your theory, then people should not watch your videos. Okay. All right, so since he brought up, uh, if it's all right with you, Don, I, I hadn't seen this question before you read it, but um, since Dan brought up the question about the uh, pregnant woman that Lester's feet was able to help uh, about a, a month and a half, two months ago, I guess it was about that long ago, um, I, I thought I would just give a little bit of an update. It's a very cool story. She is safe. She has her own place that she's living uh, a job that is very supportive of her. And actually one of our local churches kind of rallied around her and even had a gender reveal party for the baby um, last week. And all the ladies in the church, you know, decorated the reception hall and then they had their pink and their uh, blue balloons. So um, I just look at it as, you know, that's kind of the whole mission of Lester's feet. We're not there to be long-term care. But these families get so desperate in a, in a time of crisis like this young lady where we can step in and just immediately help them and get their feet on the ground until they can get to whatever they need to do. And I think that's what's a little bit different about our mission is, uh, you know, we took we took a situation where we were really worried about the safety of a mom and her baby. And she was trying to step up and do the right thing and not have an abortion. And now she's got a job, you know, God's just laid so many people around her that's put her in a situation uh, that she's safe and so is the baby. So thank you for the donors who allow us to do that. And thank you for the community that kind of rallied around her. Um, 
I can't mention a whole lot of details, but um, one of our board members did submit a family to the board today that we voted on and helping. And uh, I can mention their last name. It's the Wolf family from Louisiana. They have a child that is uh, getting a lot of really extensive treatment in Houston. So they're having to travel from Louisiana to Houston. And uh, the problem is, is housing, both paying their house payment back home and also while they're away and not even knowing if they have access to the Ronald McDonald house. So this is another example where just today uh, this family situation uh, was brought to us and we were able to step in and provide assurance that we can help with their housing while they're taking care of their child. So I don't talk a lot as much as I used to about Lester's feet and the specific families on here because of some of the privacy things that have come up. But just know that this is this is still in full steam and I'm just so blessed at the support that everybody's given us for it. So thank you very much. Okay, the next one comes from Drew Peterson from Albion, Michigan. Uh, says, hello, Don and Terry. Thank you for your experience and information every week. I'd like to ask you about your experience and recommendations regarding the use of berms as a fast and permanent tool as screens. For example, creating a screen between the neighbor's ag field to your ag field, from ag fields to food plots, from edge of wetlands or woods, etc. For example, quick bulldozer bobcat time to create a four-foot mound can be made several feet or hundreds of feet long throw some perennial grasses on it. Would appreciate your recommendations here. For example, switchgrass or mixture of big blue stem or little blue stem, Indian grass, CRP, et cetera, and perhaps cut some strategic pathways through it, narrow ones for the deer to look into a food plot or your ag field and expose himself, et cetera. This seems like it could be a quick long-term solution. Not sure what happens with soil damage, such as topsoil issues, but assume growing grasses and forbs on top of the berm, a perennial wouldn't be too difficult. What say you on this topic? Well, Drew, this is a situation where absolutely a berm would work, but I think it's a situation where you're overthinking it. Um, a miscanthus is the absolute best screen you're ever going to find. It's better than evergreen trees. Um, it's it's denser and it's in a in a narrower area it's denser you're not going to see through it um you know with a berm let's say you talk about a four foot berm so let's say you, you you build a four foot berm and then you put switchgrass on top of it which if you're going to do that i guess that would be my re recommendation if not miscanthus on top of it if you need extra height but let's say you put uh switchgrass up there your switchgrass is going to be six to eight foot tall. You add that to the four foot berm, you're 10 to 12 feet. Well, you're going to get a full 12 feet out of miscanthus. So if you just plant miscanthus, you're going to be way better off. And, um, you know, you start talking about, uh, you know, places where a buck can, you know, step out and check an, an ag field or whatever and things like that. I think there's just, I just haven't seen some of the, ideas that get promoted on the internet and then reasons behind doing certain things I, i've just never seen the, the need for it in, in all my years of sitting in a tree stand observing wild deer going about their business for example i, I see these guys or hear these guys talk about they they compartmentalize their food plot so instead of having 
say a five acre food plot, they break it down and, and they've got five different one acre food plots and each one is screened with switchgrass or miscanthus. And the whole idea is the buck has to walk along and check each one of them as he looks for does and blah, blah, blah. I, I just, I've never seen a situation where I think that's beneficial. I, I think the whole, it goes right back to what we was talking about earlier. I think people try to make it way more complicated than it really is for whatever reason. And I think some of it is, is not intentional. I think that people have been led to believe that it's harder than it really is. Managing for big deer, growing big deer, killing big deer is not difficult. It takes a good dose of common sense, but it doesn't take a degree in rocket science to, to pull it off. And this is a case where I think Drew, you're overthinking the whole screening thing. Just forget bringing in a dozer and a, or a bobcat and piling up dirt. Just plant miscanthus where you want the screen. But the problem is you getting on the internet and making a YouTube video or writing an article about make long, narrow food plots so the deer have to feed by you and they don't just come feed in one area. That's not sexy enough to sell anything. It's so simple that you know that that's why everybody's got to come up with you know me telling somebody to put half of your field in corn and half of your corn and field in beans and flop them every year to create a height variance that deer will follow that's not sexy enough it's got to be to where it's so overcomplicated to sell some new idea mm-hmm. but you know you you've been on the farm that we used to hunt down in the river bottom that had that big levee around it. We used that levee to hide behind to get all the way around that property. I mean, the mm-hmm. idea it it makes sense, but to get that dirt, you have to dig a hole somewhere. So you're losing acreage of food plot or bedding to get enough material to create your berm. And he he made a great point at the end. He's like, you're damaging, you're taking topsoil or something away from the equation. So mm-hmm. I, I just think the amount of fuel that it would really take to do this and do it right, you know, dig a pond or whatever, and then haul it and then pack it and then do all that. You'd still be cheaper with Miscanthus. By the time you oh, paid no out about it. By the time you paid a fuel bill on a machine big enough to make that berm and then paid the switchgrass on top of it, I, I, I think you'd be cheaper, easier, and less labor. Yeah, and, you know, I used to talk about, I haven't even mentioned this, this this will be a catchphrase. This is my own catchphrase, I guess. Um, I, I talk about big buck merry-go-round. You, you know, you got these guys that, that they've got these elaborate plans for their property so that the buck, he, he makes a circle around the property and he stops at the, the doe bedding area. And then he, he stops and he hits a little kill plot. And then he comes to another doe bedding area. And then he comes to the hinge cut. Then he comes to another food plot. And it's like they're expecting this buck to follow the big buck merry-go-round around their property. And you set it up between two of these things. And boy, you're going to catch that buck as he makes the rounds. Well, nonsense. And, and here, here's another nonsense. When we talk about sanctuaries, I've seen this. I, I've seen more than one article written, more than one video on it's way better to have multiple sanctuaries on your property. So the buck, he will go from sanctuary to sanctuary looking for does. Well, I, I don't buy that whatsoever. The bigger the sanctuary, the better. The, the more the buck will relate to it. Um, it it's just really hard for a property to lay out for multiple sanctuaries. And I'm not saying it never happens. There's been a couple of times 
where I've done plans on properties that might have had two sanctuaries. I've never done a plan with more than two sanctuary areas. That's they, instead, one big one. Don't don't have multiple sanctuaries. We're thinking that the buck is going to go from this sanctuary to this one, and you're going to kill him in between. Well, the more sanctuaries you have, you're blowing your scent into one of them whenever you hunt it. Well, you would think. You know, I mean, I mean think about it. Out. Think about it that way. If you have more sanctuaries, at some point your scent's blowing in it. You would, yeah. So depending on the wind direction. You used to you used to use another catchphrase called garbage when that. <laughs> yeah. I, well. <laughs> garbage would apply not not necessarily <laughs> to this berm idea but no some of the I just, stuff that's on i think the, i think you could do would some, work i think you it would definitely work i've seen it work but i think you could do some quick math to understand how much dirt you would have to move what you're going to do in the place that the dirt came from and then uh you know is that worth giving up either food plot or bedding and then man diesel fuel ain't cheap right now you know that uh that that uh political office that's in there isn't helping us too much right now with the diesel fuel charges. So you had that on top. Oh, Terry. I, I, was, I was trying to get to, you, I was trying to I get you there, buddy. Politics. Yeah, I was but he, avoid he politics. Made, hey, hey, I want to put his question back up real quick on the screen. Because he made I want you to read the uh comment that he wrote uh right here. If I highlight this, can you read it? Yeah. Read read that for me real quick. Um, for the deer to look into a food plot or your ag field and expose himself, et cetera. You know what I thought of when you used the word expose yourself? Yeah, I do I know thought what of, you thought of. That's I thought of our buddy. Well, was it? I, thought of, I thought of our buddy, uh, the picture we got of Ray and Aiden. When one of them was walking out of that cornfield and had those two big corn cobs way up in the air. <laughs> That's what I thought of when you said expose yourself, but. Yeah. <laughs> I did not want to picture that, but uh, instead, instead of expose yourself, it should have been expose himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Well, I'm not uh, one of them deer hunters that, need, that wants to expose himself. Yeah, that'd be the king buck, right? Yeah. If you want to be the best deer hunter in the woods, you gotta, you gotta, you can't expose yourself. Nope. All right. Well, I think we've uh, we've probably worn out our limit with some of our sarcasm tonight. So, what do you think? Well, what's the week? What's the week ahead going to be for you? Well, I'm going to see if I can get your picture put on Bud Light um, <laughs> to revive that company. And. Uh, <laughs> No, I got to, uh, uh, on Monday, I'm taking my daughter to chemo um, for a second treatment or first treatment. Uh, her husband, Corey, took her. Uh, he took off work for that, and he would love to be there for every one of them. But, you know, he's trying to save his vacation days from his job for when they're really needed. And uh, so I'm going to, my wife and I, Robin, we're going up there, and she's going to stay with the boys. And I'm going to go with Andrea to her chemo on Monday. And she handled the first one really well. She was sick for a few days. You know, she's taking those every other Monday, so every two weeks. The first week, uh, she didn't feel too well. Uh, but but this week, she's actually felt pretty good. 
Now, I think each each time she does it, it's going to be a little worse than the time before, from what I've heard. So uh, continued prayers from everyone would be much appreciated. I know I continue to hear from you guys every single day. Multiple people reach out about her, and I can't tell you how much that means to all of us. So please continue to pray. And then, uh, you know, our season opened Sunday, probably the day everybody's listening to this. I'm not going to hunt my farm. Um, I've been thinking about where can I go and have a chance to see a decent buck. And uh, I've got a couple ideas. So, you know, I may go sit in a stand somewhere one evening or two, but not going to get too serious about it. I'm waiting for the boys to show up next weekend and look forward to sitting in a blind with them and watching them uh, put that uh, Brenton firearm, that 350 legend to work. Yeah. So um, I, I also got a lot of support this week about the job change with a lot of questions. And uh, I need people to be a little patient with me. Eventually, I'll tell you guys what I'm going to go do. But uh, there's still some details that I'm not um, really comfortable talking about with right now. I'm really trying to focus on helping my longtime former employer out with a few things before I leave. So I'm actually going to be maintaining my employment through the middle of October. That came out weird, October. And uh, then starting, um, I believe, on the 16th for my new job. So I'll talk about it a little bit more and uh, and I'll probably open up a little bit uh, on Chasing Giants TV about what this all really means and why. Because uh, the story behind this is going to be quite interesting. Um, I hope I hope it encourages people. Um, I told you on beforehand. I said I'm. This is probably going to. I'm probably going to write off most of deer season this year. And this is a long term play for my family, which is the number one priority for me. And if if that means me taking uh, not as much time hunting for the long term success of my family. And, uh, it's, it's going to play into long-term success of deer hunting too. Um, I'm willing to do that for this year. So, um, I'll, I'll share more with that, but I really appreciate the encouragement as, as we navigate this. It's definitely uncharted waters for me being a 28 year employee with the same company, uh, making a move at this point, but, uh, I'm really, really excited about it. Well, I'm sure you'll do well. And if I can help you in some way at this new position. Um, I don't know if they've got any desire to have a deer hunting hillbilly come in and talk or whatever, but uh, <laughs> if I can help you in some way, be successful. I know you're going to be successful anyway, but just know you can count on me. I appreciate it. All right, guys, we, we appreciate the help. Uh, 1.5 million downloads. That's uh, pretty awesome. Uh, we, we couldn't do it without your all support. We really appreciate this family of listeners every week even the guys that are probably half lit right now from their drinking game we appreciate you guys just as much as uh as those listening on mtech and uh, the call-in services so thank you all so much god bless everyone have a great week chasing giants has been brought to you by osseo camo by a farm real estate company 360 hunting blinds victory chevrolet Real-world wildlife products, Matthews Archery, Novix Tree Stands, Gingerich Tree Farm, WildlifeFarming.com, Quiet Cat, and Vortex Optics. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week 
for another episode of Chasing Giants. Chasing Giants.